This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Welcome back to the Knowledge at Wharton podcast. I'm Rachel Kipp, Associate Editorial Director of the Knowledge at Wharton website. On today's podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about hazardous jobs. Joining us is Wharton Legal Studies and Business Ethics Professor Rob Hughes to talk about his new paper, Paying People to Risk Life or Limb. Rob, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for inviting me. Now talk a little bit about what's the inspiration for this research. So this research came out of my experience at the NIH as a fellow in the bioethics department. Uh, one of the things I learned while I was a fellow there is that there's a big difference in the attitudes that people have toward risk in medicine and in business. Um, in business, the general attitude towards dangerous jobs is um, uh, we we should inform our uh employees about the risks, at least ethical businesses do that. Uh, and I think many people would also say we need to fairly compensate people for those risks and take reasonably safe, reasonable safety measures. But we don't, don't need to be worried about whether this job has any kind of special social value. Um, we can, you know, as long as there's consent and as long as there's fair pay and as long as there's reasonable safety measures, it's fine. Medicine has a very different attitude. In medicine, um, uh, we have research on human subjects and human subjects take risks. Um, they're generally smaller risks than the most dangerous occupations. Um, but uh, the attitude in medicine is it's not enough to get informed consent. You need that. It's not enough to pay subjects for, for taking risks. It's not enough to take minimization measures. But you also have to make sure that you're exposing people to risk for a good social cause. Um, if, the, if this research doesn't have potential social value, it's considered unethical to expose people uh, to risks, even if you pay them, even if you inform them. Uh, and I thought, this is an interesting asymmetry. My mentor, Alan Wertheimer, noticed that this asymmetry too. Uh, and this got me thinking about who has the right answer to this question, the business community or the medical ethics community. And basically, I think the medical ethics community got this one right. And so in this case, what do you define as a hazardous job? Because that could hazardous can mean a lot of things to a lot of, of people. Of course. I'm thinking specifically about physical risks. So I mentioned risk to life or risk to limb. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be to a limb, but I'm thinking about injuries to people's bodies. I'm also thinking about uh, specifically about in, uh, risks that are great enough that it's necessary to pay people more, um, either to compensate them fairly for this risks, those risks or as an inducement to get them to take those the job. Now, what are some different ways that you can actually look at this issue? Can you talk a little bit about how you arrived at the argument you make in this Absolutely. paper? Absolutely. Maybe it'd be helpful to say a little bit about my field, which is sure. moral philosophy. Uh, moral philosophy uh, takes on the task of thinking through difficult ethical issues in a rational and principled way. Uh, there are, so there, there, there are two specific things. As I see our job, uh, one thing that we do is when there are hard cases where people don't know what's right and wrong here, uh, we can use principles that derive from other areas uh, and use those principles to sort through those hard cases. Another thing that we can do is we can show that some widely held ethical beliefs are in tension with each other. Here's a personal example. When I was 30, I'd finished my PhD, I realized I had a set of four beliefs that doesn't, don't hold together. I thought it's perfectly okay to eat pork. It's not okay to eat dogs. Uh, whether it's okay to eat an animal depends on how smart the animal is. And pigs are smarter than dogs. Those four things are not consistent. And it took me till age 30 to realize that they're not consistent. 
That Now, this doesn't tell me which of those four beliefs is false. It could be any one of those four beliefs. But I knew just by reflecting in that way that I had a false belief about something. So reasoning about morality as possible, this is not all subjective. This is not all purely as a matter of, a matter of opinion. I knew, as a matter of fact, I had at least one objectively false belief about ethics. Um, the perspective that I'm using in this paper is that I'm drawing on Kantian ethical theory. Kantian ethical theory is one of the most influential theoretical perspectives in ethics. Uh, and uh, it's a complicated theory, but the core principle is pretty simple. Uh, it's um, known as the formula of humanity, which says uh, you shouldn't treat people or people's humanity merely as a means. You should treat humanity as an end. Um, this can explain a lot of very commonly held moral judgments and expl can explain why you shouldn't defraud people because that's sort of tinkering with people's reasoning in order to get what you want. It's damaging their humanity. You shouldn't uh, kill a relative to get the inheritance. That's destroying them to get what you want. Um, and uh, in the context of this paper, you shouldn't deliberately expose someone to risk as a means to the end of higher pay. Now, in this paper, you make the distinction between what you call foreseen risks and intended risks. What's the difference and why is that important? So let's think of two examples. Uh, first example, a couple's on vacation and they are uh, going on vacation up a mountain and it starts, the storm starts and the mountain has a windy road. So going up that road is going to be dangerous. They decide we want our vacation anyway. Uh, we paid for it. We're looking, we've been looking forward to it. We're going to take the drive, even though it's dangerous. They're taking a risk. They know they're taking a risk, but it's only foreseen. The risk isn't helping them get something they want. It's actually getting in their way, quite literally. Um, now imagine they get to the top of the mountain and they realize they forgot something. And you know, they, they wanted some truffles for their dinner. And they forgot the truffles. And they really want the truffles. So they find a courier who's willing to drive up the mountain during the storm with those truffles. But the tr courier says, you need to pay me extra because of this storm. Uh, and let's suppose this courier could get other work on the, um, uh, at sea level uh, that wasn't so dangerous, um, no mountain road. Uh, this courier is exposing themselves to risk as a means to the end of higher pay. For this courier, the risk is actually... Uh, it's not just a foreseen side effect. It's actually part of what's getting them what they want. Uh, I think there's an ethical difference there, and I'm not going to pass judgment on the couple when they choose to go up the mountain. But I am going to pass judgment on both the couple and the driver when they choose to expose someone to take someone to a risk as a means to higher pay for the socially not very valuable goal of getting truffles. And so if we're looking at not just the courier but or the couple, but the company that's hired the courier, what would you say to the company then as far as that hazard pay question goes? It sounds like that would not be enough for them to send people up these mountains if they know that there's a risk there. That's right. So in the example, the example I did use in the paper, um, and in the example, this is a private contract, there's no company involved. But what are the questions that a company should be asking? I think the first thing they should be asked when they're um, – exposing their employees to risk is, um, how big are the risks? Are the risks big enough that we would need to pay someone extra to induce them to do it? Uh, and if so, that should be a signal. We need, to, we need to look out and ask some more questions. What are those next two questions? First question is about social value. Um, 
or, or uh, uh, that, and that includes the value of skill expression on the job. Um, is there a reason other than hazard pay that someone might take this job? Um, and if not, uh, we really need to be making that job safer. Um, it's, it's unethical to go ahead as things are now. Um, so there, of course, there are lots of jobs that are socially very important that are inherently dangerous, like um, fishing and logging are the two most dangerous jobs in the United States. Um, we need food, including, I, I think, fish. Uh, we need um, wood in order for a society to run the way that it does. There are lots of other dangerous jobs where we can't completely get rid of the risks. Um, because they're socially valuable, people have a reason to take these jobs other than just the money. Of course, the money is always part of it. Um, but if you're um, just satisfying consumer preferences, that's all you're doing. The only reason for people to take this job is money. And the only reason for take, to take it rather than a safer job is the extra money, the hazard pay. Then you have something to worry about. Um, it might not be ethical to hire for this job at all unless you can make it safer. Even if you've got one of these socially necessary jobs... Um, or something that's valuable to workers in some other ways, like exp expressing their athletic skills, uh, you should be thinking about safety measures that you could take. And the other big takeaway from my paper is that workers' preference between uh, safety and money shouldn't settle the question. And so it's not enough just that a worker's saying, well, I want the money, so I'll do this job. That's the company still has to think about the ethical question here. That's absolutely right, yes. Now, how do ethics come into play with the law in this case? Because, I mean, a lot of countries like the U.S. have regulations that talk about dangerous jobs, talk about safety measures. There are other parts of the world that maybe don't have as stringent guidelines on that. So how does a company, can a company look at the law versus this level of ethics that they should aspire to or maybe want to aspire to? So that, that raises two, two, I think, important points. One is that a lot of developing countries, and not just developing countries, that this happens here too, a lot of laws are on the books and not well enforced. Um, just this month, there was uh, a, 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 some factory fires in, in Bangladesh where some people, I believe they were uh, residents, uh, not workers, um, were killed by these fires in these illegal chemi chemical factories. They were illegal factories, so, um, but the laws against these factories wasn't well enforced. Um, so one thing that this paper raises is you've got to be following these safety laws, even if they're not well enforced, even if you're not afraid of the fines, you should be concerned about the workers and the other people you're exposing to risk. But the second issue is that sometimes ethics is more demanding than law, the law in the books. Uh, sometimes um, uh, you have an ethical requirement to take concern for your workers above and beyond what the law requires. And that sounds really easy in theory, but we have all these examples out there of where companies don't do that or leaders don't do that. So would you have advice for them as far as like how to guide yourself in these sorts of situations? Because I feel like it does sound easy on the face of it, but maybe when you're caught up in the actual situation itself, it might not be that easy no, to make being, an ethical choice. Being good is not easy and we're all tempted to do bad things. That's just life. Um, and I think it can be especially tempting in a business context when you feel pressure from uh, competitors. Um, but think about what if you have a competitor who's getting an edge by committing fraud and getting away with it? Uh, or some kind of, let's say, that fraud, fraud's illegal and punishable. 
um, let's say they're committing a form of deception that's clearly unethical but falls in one of the loopholes in the law. Uh, does that make it okay for you to engage in deception? And the answer is just clearly no. That's not okay. Deception's not a good business practice. Um, sometimes the reputational risk can be enough to motivate someone. But at a certain point, you just have to think, what kind of a person am I going to be? And that's a hard question. Now, what about how would these arguments change for a job that maybe couldn't be described as hazardous when the person took the job, but then something changes later on. So one example I could think of is, for example, teaching. Um, I think some teachers today could argue that maybe they didn't realize when they took the job that they could be at risk at being the victim of a school shooting or having to protect their students from one. Or another example might be journalism. So I think a foreign correspondent in a war-torn area maybe knows that they're putting themselves at physical risk. But a local reporter maybe wouldn't know that, but these days they could be. So I guess how do you how do companies deal with that? I think the ethics of hazards of a job changing are going to end up being really the same as the ethics of hiring in the first place. Um, uh, now, teaching and journalism are both socially essential jobs, and people do and should choose these jobs for reasons other than the pay. Though, of course, fair pay is very important. Um, but let's think about something else. Let's think about a gemstone mine, and let's suppose when it opens, it's as safe as all the other mines in the industry, um, including you know metal mines, uh, coal mines. Uh, and uh, then suddenly, a new hazard develops, and it becomes much more dangerous to work in that mine. Uh, the company at that point needs to stop and think, um, is it ethical to keep hiring people at these wages under these conditions? Uh, and uh, my arguments would imply uh, you can't uh, – well, first of all, economically, they're not, you're probably not going to be able to retain the workers at the same wages. You're going to have to change something. You're going to have to either fix the safety issue or you're going to have to pay people more. And my argument would imply it's not okay to solve this problem by just paying people more. You really have to fix the safety issue uh, uh, that's emerged. Um, of course, there are some safety issues that can't be addressed. Um, I don't want to get into the specifics of some of the things that you raised. Uh, but um, And those raise very hard questions. But in the case of yeah. the gemstone mine, it sounds like what you're saying is you, you would close the mine. You might have to close the mine. That's right. And now what's next for this research? Where are you going to go with this next? So this is part of a larger project on thinking about the limits of informed consent. When is informed consent enough to make a transaction or a business relationship ethical? Uh, and when is it not? Uh, and I'm going to be doing some broader theoretical work on this issue. I'm also going to be thinking uh, specifically about uh, two more uh, particular issues, uh, one being uh, fair pay. Um, that's a major issue in our national discourse right now. Uh, and another issue uh, is uh, uh, pricing of uh, life-saving pharmaceuticals uh, and other medically necessary drugs. That's also an issue that's very much in the news. I believe Congress had a hearing on that issue just this week. Rob, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. You can find all of Knowledge at Wharton's podcasts, articles, and more on our website, which is knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can also find all of our podcasts on Apple's podcasting app or your other favorite podcasting app. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really does help like-minded folks to find the show. Thanks for listening. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 